Good evening. Tonight we'll be in the book of Lamentations. So while you're turning there um, and we get ready, I'm going to just go ahead and read a verse from Lamentations to open us up. This comes from Lamentations chapter 1, verse 14. My transgressions were bound into a yoke. By his hand they were fastened together. They were set upon my neck. He caused my strength to fail. The Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I cannot withstand. God, we thank you for your word, and we ask that as we come tonight to hear what your word has to say to us, that you would open our eyes and open our ears so that we might see and hear wonderful things, God, that you might speak to us through your holy word by the power of your Holy Spirit. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. In 586 BC, after about two years of siege, the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar finally broke through and defeated the city of Jerusalem. They completely plundered and destroyed the temple. They tore down the city walls, leaving it exposed and unprotected. They ruthlessly slaughtered many of the survivors, and they took 740 captive into exile. After nearly a millennium of God coming to the nation with his prophets, warning them, pleading with them to turn from their sin, he finally fulfilled his promise to them to bring down all of the covenant curses um, upon his, his people for their incessant idolatry. The book of Lamentations is a sorrowful reflection of this decimated people. Um, it is a collection of five poetic masterpieces that describe in vivid detail many of the horrific events of this nation's darkest day. Turn with me, if you will, to chapter 2 as we enter into the suffering of this people. How the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up without mercy all the habitations of Jacob. In his wrath, he has broken down the strongholds of the daughters of Judah. He has brought down to the ground in dishonor the kingdom and its rulers. He has cut down in fierce anger all the might of Israel. He has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy. He has burned like a flaming fire in Jacob, consuming all around. He has bent his bow like an enemy, with his right hand set like a foe, and he has killed all who were delightful in our eyes. In the tent of the daughter of Zion, he has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel 
He has swallowed up all its palaces. He has laid in ruins its stronghold, and he has multiplied in the daughter of Judah mourning and lamentation. He has laid waste his booth like a garden, laid in ruins his meeting place. The Lord has made Zion forget festival and Sabbath, and in his fierce indignation he has spurned king and priest. The Lord has scorned his altar, disowned his sanctuary. He has delivered into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They raised a clamor in the house of the Lord as on the day of festival. The Lord determined to lay in ruins the walls of the daughter of Zion. He stretched out the measuring line. He did not restrain his hand from destroying. He caused rampart and wall to lament. They languished together. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has ruined and broken her bars. Her king and princes are among the nations. The law is no more, and her prophets find no vision from the Lord. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit on the ground in silence. They have thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. The young women of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes are spent with weeping, my stomach churns, my bile is poured out to the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city. They cry to their mothers, where is bread and wine, as they faint like a wounded man in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. What can I say for you? To what compare you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What can I liken you that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not exposed your iniquity to restore your fortunes, but have seen for you oracles that are false and misleading. All who pass along the way clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of all the earth? All your enemies rail against you. They hiss, they gnash their teeth, they cry. We have swallowed her. Ah, this is the day we longed for. Now we have it, we see it. The Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. Their heart cried to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears stream down like a torrent day and night. Give yourself no rest and your eyes no respite. Arise, cry out in the night, at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of every street. Look, O Lord, and see. With whom have you dealt thus? Should women eat the fruit of their womb, the children of their tender care? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? In the dust of the streets lie the young and the old, the young women 
and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger, slaughtering without pity. You have summoned, as if to a festival day, my terrors on every side. And on the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those whom I held and raised, my enemy destroyed. There are many emotions and questions and even objections that raise in our hearts and in our minds after reading a passage like this. And I don't want to be dismissive of honest wrestling with the issues here, but my goal tonight is to raise just two simple lessons from the book of Lamentations that are inescapable and unavoidable. And they are this, the reality of sin and the reality of a God who punishes sinners. The first one, the reality of sin. I'd like to read a quote by Malcolm Muggeridge, who was a a famed British journalist, and he once said this, The depravity of man is at once the most empirically verifiable reality, but at the same time the most intellectually resisted fact. Our culture today is not prepared to admit that there is such a thing as sin. Your coworkers, your schoolmates, your Facebook friends, and the people that you follow on Instagram, they are more likely to believe in Santa Claus than they are to believe in the reality of sin. And even in the church, the concept of sin has become eroded, and it's slowly morphed into something else. We're so reluctant to take a moral stance on some of the issues that God uh, clearly defines in his word. So we say things like, he made a mistake, or she made a bad decision, but we don't want to use the word sin. That is not the case for the book of Lamentations. Turn with me in chapter 1, and we're going to look. The, the writer is, is so clear here, starting in eight, Jerusalem sinned grievously. 118. For the Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. And 120. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. 122. Let all their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions. See, with the people here, there's no excuse making, there's no blame shifting, and there's no finger pointing. The author is crystal clear that the people were suffering and had suffered as a direct result of their sin. As you read the book of Lamentations, you are confronted with the reality of sin. So if, by chance, our culture is prepared to admit that there is such a thing as sin, what they then will resist 
is the reality of a God who will punish sinners. So that's the second thing I want to look at that comes from the text. That God punishes sinners. Look at 2.1. How the Lord, in his anger, has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up. In his wrath, he has broken down. He has brought down. He has cut down. He has withdrawn. He has burned. He has bent his bow. And he has killed. He has poured out his fury like fire. Sixteen times in chapter 2, the author points to God as the cause and the source of what is happening in this book, these terrible things that we read. Remember, it was at the hand of the Babylonians that the people actually suffered. The people came in. But not once does the book of Lamentations attribute those atrocities to the Babylonians. Again, it's crystal clear that God was behind these events. But why? Why was God so bent on pouring his wrath on the people? Well, let's look to chapter 3 and see what, what the author says here in verse 37. Who has spoken, and it came to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Why should a living man complain, a man about the punishment of his sins. So we see here with crystal clarity that the author highlights the reality of a God who punishes sinners. So from these two realities, the reality of sin and the reality of a God who punishes sinners, I'd like to make just two quick points of application. The first one is, examine your ways and return to the Lord. So let's continue in that same exact passage in in verse 40, chapter 3, where the author says this, Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled, and you have not forgiven Like Pastor Greg said this morning, we need to fear being in a wrong relationship with the God who punishes sinners as we find ourselves in sin. So the first point of application there is to examine ourselves and to test ourselves. So self-examination is an important life, is an important discipline in the Christian life. And we should not be afraid to take an honest look at ourselves in light of what God has revealed. And that leads us to the second point of application. While we're doing that, remember grace. Question number 10 from the Heidelberg Catechism says this. Question. Does God permit such disobedience and rebellion to go unpunished? Answer, certainly not. God is terribly angry with the sin we are born with. 
as well as the sins we personally commit. As a just judge, God will punish them both now and in eternity, having declared, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all things written in the book of the law. So that last scripture quoted in the catechism comes from Galatians chapter 3. So let's turn there. Galatians 3, 10 through 14, and I'll read this. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You cannot read the book of Lamentations without understanding the context of a people like the Israelites standing before God at Mount Sinai. And what happened there as they were standing before God at Mount Sinai. So Moses is, is telling the people what God has commanded. They've heard the very words of God from the mountain. There was a lot of fear and trembling. And God spoke to the people and also through Moses and gave them his law. And as they were there at the foot of the mountain receiving the law, uh, they, they took some animals in sacrifice. And they sacrificed those animals and they took half of the blood and they put it in uh, some basins, threw some on the blood. And then I want to read for you in Exodus 20, the rest. So this comes from Exodus 24, verses 7 and 8. He took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. You see, the story of Lamentations is the long history of a people living life by law. That as they stood there before God and heard His law and heard His voice speaking from the mountain, their response to that was, all that you say, we will do. We will be obedient. And so symbolically, the blood of the covenant was splashed on the people. And they were in that moment saying, we are, a, we are taking on all of these curses that we have heard. We're taking responsibility for these curses. We will do this. And just like that animal that was killed in their, supposedly in their place, they said, no, we will take the curses of the covenant. And so as we read 
these horrific events in Lamentations, we need to look at it in light of that, that these, this is what God had said the people would experience. All of the curses of the covenant for failure. Well, in, in Galatians there, we read that there was another way, right? A way of living by law and assuming those curses or there was the sacrifice of provision that God had given through Jesus Christ, right? And that is the life of faith. So in closing, I would like to read uh, something from Luke chapter 23. And I, I love this passage as it ties these things together. Luke 23. This is the, uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. In 39, Luke 23, 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, this thief understood what Lamentations was talking about, that God is a God who punishes sin. He also understood that he was a sinner. But by God's grace and the sacrifice of Jesus, being able to witness this, he also understood that someone else in his place took the curse. And so that, I think, is the hope of the message of Lamentations, a very depressing book. But when we see the God who saves, and he saves us from our sin, though we are sinners, and though he is a God who will punish sin, we can avoid that punishment through Jesus Christ because on the cross, he took all of those covenant curses. As God poured them out on the people in, in Leviticus, he poured them out on his son, Jesus, on the cross so that through faith in him and turning to him, we might have eternal life. We might have that same promise that the thief had, that Today, you will be with me in paradise.